Well, glory to God. Let's all stand up together this morning. It's great to see everybody in the house. Welcome. Welcome to Vision Church. I'm Phil Johnson. Those of you I don't know, I haven't had a privilege to meet yet. Hey, let's pray together, and we will have an amazing time. Are you ready for it? Okay, all four of you are ready for it. Anybody else ready for it this morning? <laughs> let's pray. Father, we just thank you for what you plan to do this morning. Lord, we're already enjoying it. And so, Father, we just pray for a continuation. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive exactly what you have for us. In Jesus' name, and every person said, amen. amen. You can be seated this morning. Great to see everybody. You know, one thing I felt to do, I wanted to talk a little bit about this morning, uh, just in the time that we have left, is that we wanted to talk a little bit just for a moment about Vision Church. Who are we? And, you know, this came up, uh, I was thinking about it yesterday, and as I was praying about this morning, I thought this is one of the things that I just want to make sure that we understand as a church is who, who is Vision Church and what do we do? So we are people who have chosen to make Jesus the center of everything that we do. That's not just a statement that we make, because if Jesus is in the center, there's a, then there's not room for Phil in the, in the middle. You know what I mean? Because you don't want Phil in the middle anyway. I, I've had him there, and he, he's not very good there. So we want Jesus to be the center of everything that we do. Secondly, what is our vision? Our vision, we feel, is to help others clarify their vision for life, to help people get a vision for different areas of their life. You know, one thing that very successful people do is that they have a vision for, and a plan for different areas of their life. They plan five years out because they want to know where are they heading. Because if you have a target, something happens when you're shooting at a target, you tend to hit it. may not hit the bullseye, but you'll hit the target for sure because you're hitting in that you're shooting in that direction. So we as a church, we feel like our vision, our mission as a church is to help other people find their vision for their life. You know, and Jesus is the first part of that vision. Amen. And then lastly, is what, what do we do? Well, we feel as a church that, that we have to choose to be contributors, not consumers. You know, we're not interested in a church at, at, at just babysitting Christians coming every week. You know, we don't want to just minister to the people that are already saved. We want, to, we want this to be a comfortable place that anybody feels like they can come in here and they can learn about God and they don't feel uh, tripped out by, you know, religion or, you know, anything else. We want everybody to feel comfortable. We want them to feel like they can come. And then guess what? They get to hear the gospel. We get to share the good news. We get to share that Jesus has a vision for their life. I mean, didn't God say in Jeremiah 29, 11, I have a plan for you? He has the plan. Well, guess what? We can find out what that plan is. And I don't know about you, but I've I've had God's plans happening in my life, and I've had Phil's plans happening in my life. And boy, I'd a little bit rather have God's plans working, right? Because his plans typically work out. So I wanted to share just a little bit about the church and who we are. Um, so with that said, would you turn in your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This has been the love month, Valentine's month, right? February? And so we want to talk a little bit about, we want to finish up this last Sunday of the month talking about what love is. 
what love is. And so I want to read this first, the first three verses from 1 Corinthians 13 to you. And these verses I'm going to read to you out of the message because I like the way that, it's, that it talks about it, the way that it says it here. In verse 1, it says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have the faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I do not love, I'm nothing. And if I give everything that I owe to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I do not love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. You're bankrupt without love. Amen? So I want to read to you now out of the NIV, verse 4. That same chapter, verse 4, says the first three words say, love is patient. It's interesting because, you know, God, God wrote the Bible through the hands of men. Everything that's written in the Word of God is God-inspired, right? Because He used people. And it's interesting that when God begins to talk about love, the very first thing that He mentions in regard to love is patience. Okay, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite subject this morning. <laughs> love is patient. I touched on it last week, and we began to talk a little bit about it. But the thing that was interesting to me is that that's the very first thing that God mentions when he mentions love. Because I can have all these other things operating in my life. Man, I can be a dynamic preacher. I can, man, we can have healings. We can have restoration. We can have miracle signs and wonders happen in the church. But if we don't love people, it doesn't mean anything. And how do we love people? Very first thing, love is patient. You can, some of you are being patient with me right now. New King James Version in verse 4 says love suffers long. In the Amplified that same verse says love endures long. The Darby translation says love has long patience. How many of you are seeing a, a similarity in some of these verses? The word long is in there, right? And then the message says love never gives up. Love has stamina. It has staying power. So with that said, turn over to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we're going to look at verse 22. Paul is one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible, and he had amazing things happen in his life. He had terrible things happen to him. He was stoned to death. He died. Remember, they stoned him. He died on the spot, and what happened? God resurrected him. Could you imagine? After being stoned, you get up, dust your clothes off, and go, Oh, okay, well, that's over. You know, and he walked right back into town, right where the people were that stoned him. You know, he had a snake that bit him, a very venomous snake bit him on the hand. Remember that? It hung from his hand. How many of you have ever had a snake hanging? Don't raise your hand. Hanging from your hand. I'd like to hear the story if you did. So the snake's hanging from his hand. It's a very poisonous snake, and they said, oh, he's going to swell up and die, right? He had shipwrecks. He had people, he was thrown out of synagogues. He was rested. He was beaten many times. He was thrown in prison, put in chains. How many of you think Paul had some tribulation, had some problems? Okay, some challenges. Well, for me, I don't know about you, I don't know anybody 
in my personal life that's ever been through everything that Paul's been through. He's been through more than anybody I've ever thought about. Now, think about that in relationship to what we're getting ready to read. Acts chapter 20, verse 22, it says this, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Now, every city that he had been on the way to Jerusalem, different prophets were saying, hey, don't go to Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem, you've got terrible things in store for you. Remember one prophet, he took, that, he took off his belt, and he, and, he, and he, what did he do? He bound himself up with it, and he said, the man that owns this belt's going to be bound in chains and fetters. And so, listen to, listen to Paul's response, though. Okay, verse 24, these first seven words are impacting. He said, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Nor do I count my, my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. But those first seven words, I wrote those down and I... I keep them in my heart because many of us, all of us, are going to have trials and tribulations, challenges, things that we're going to have to face. I mean, there's a reason the Bible, Jesus called you an overcomer. It's because there's going to be things to overcome, right? There's going to be hurdles that you have to jump over. There's going to be challenges and issues. But your attitude toward that when it first pops up is, a, is very revealing when it comes to your patience. Because your patience is, is reflected in your attitude. When you see a challenge that pops up, a situation, a circumstance, do you go, oh dear God, what are we going to do? Oh my word. I, I, I don't know what, you know what I mean? Sometimes you don't even give, you just start talking about the problem before you give yourself time to step back and go, okay, wait a minute. Let me just kind of let the dust settle on this. You know, I don't know. I, I was, yesterday I was fixing these candelabras because it bothered me that they weren't really standing up straight. So I, was, I worked on them on Friday and Saturday. I wanted to get them nice and straight. Plus we wanted to cut them in half so we could keep them here because they give us, glory to God, they give us storage room upstairs. And so, yeah, so we don't have to transport stuff back and forth. So that's a blessing. But as I'm, as I'm working on it, I'm using my skills, you know, my uh, miter saw that I have. What do you call it? A chop saw, right? And so I'm looking at Steve because he's the, He's the saw guy. So I'm, so I'm using the saw, and when I take the saw up, all of a sudden this powder of sawdust goes poof in the air. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever walked into smoke, well, there's, there's signs on the highways that say don't drive into smoke because there's a reason you can't see what's in the smoke, right, until it dissipates. So let me tell you, when you're faced with a situation like that sawdust smoke, I, I wait until it settles before I make another cut because I want to see what I'm cutting. I, you know, we don't want to drive into smoke. We want to see clearly where are we headed, right? And so you shouldn't, you, you shouldn't say things too quickly when you're faced with situations, when tribulations and challenges come your way, right? So because storms are going to come. But listen, Paul is in, has instructed us what to say. What did he say? He said, None of these things move me. Let's practice that. Ready? Let's say that verse again. None of these things move me. Look at your neighbor. Say, I think you got it. <laughs> you 
You know, the bald eagle is an amazing creature. Uh, Nicole and I have only been able to see a few. I know, I know we have them around here. I've heard rumors about there's bald, bald eagles around this area. And I remember when we were in Minnesota, that, and, and that one swooped down and flew over our car, and we were like, whoa, you know, because their wingspan is massive, you know. But the thing about the bald eagle is it has the ability when it extends its wing is it can lock it right at the wing root. They can lock their wings, and they can lock them so tightly that their wing will break before it will unlock, you know. And so what eagles do, the other thing that they have the ability to do is they have periscope vision. So they're able to see really long distances, but they're able to dial it in so they can see it in detail, which is really cool. So that's why, that's why they're able to fly so high and look on the ground where they're going to swoop, you know, and what they're going to snag. <laughs> so, um, but the thing that caught me, that really attracted my attention to eagles when I was thinking about the storms of life that come is that they can see the storm up to 75, 80 miles away coming. I mean, that's how far they can see. And so they'll wait, though, until the storm comes. Most other birds, they just sense that the storm's coming and they leave, right? They're, they're looking for somewhere safe to be. Not an eagle. An eagle will wait for the storm to come. And when the storm is right upon the eagle, that eagle will lock its wings, and it'll wait for that first burst of air from the storm to come. And then it'll soar. It'll cause that eagle to soar. And, and the other thing that I love about eagles is that eagles have these little oxygen tanks, you know, the way that they breathe. They can breathe at very high altitudes, up to 80,000 feet. Think about that. You and I would pass out, man. We'd be like, oh, what? You know what happened? Not the eagle. The eagle... When that storm comes, it locks its wings, and that air shoots it out of its nest, and it soars above the storm. And then what it does is it circles on top of the storm until the storm passes. You have to, we have to do this as Christians. But how do we do it? We do it through patience. Practicing patience. Huh. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm getting good at practicing patience. See, patience is given to you as a seed, but you have to develop it. Look at what Revel, uh, Romans 12, verse 12 says. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So it says to rejoice in hope, rejoice in the hope that's out in front of you, but it says to be patient in tribulation. Because even though there's hope in front of us, there may be tribulation to get through to get to hope, right? Oh, somebody got a text. And be constant in prayer. Prayer is the foundation for everything. And let me tell you, we at Vision Church, we're big on prayer. This is why we pray before service. This is why we pray throughout the week. This is why I get up and pray in the morning. It's because it's better when, when God's involved. Amen. So look, look back at 1 Corinthians 13, 4. I want to define patience for you. From the Thayer's definition. I hope I'm saying that right. Thayer's definition of patient. Listen to these definitions. To be of a long spirit, not to lose heart, to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles, and to be patient in bearing the offenses and the injuries of others, to be mild and slow in avenging. You're not an avenger. I don't see super... Super outfits in here. So, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow 
to punish. Wow. So I see patience through all this has two main characteristics. One is that word long. Long-suffering, right? Long spirit, right? Never giving up. Patience is long. But the other thing that patience is, is slow. And of course, we don't want to talk about that. We don't like slow. We like fast. I like, I, we haven't, our microwave died uh, a week ago. And so, you know, the home warranty had to come out and do their inspection. And then they, they sent a mechanic and the mechanic had to try and look at it. And he said, oh, it's, it's going to be more to fix this than it would be to buy a new microwave. And now we're waiting another five days, business days, for the microwave to get here. So this entire time, every time I open the pantry, I see that popcorn sitting on the top shelf. And I go, oh, man, that would be, oh, yeah. I don't have a microwave. I can't. So I'm having to practice my patience on the microwave. No, this is forced patience. Okay, that doesn't develop your patience, by the way. Okay, that's forced patience. All right. But let me give you a great definition of patience that I really like. Staying the same regardless of the circumstances. Staying the same regardless of the circumstances. I mean, things are going to happen, right? But our job, our responsibility is to be like this all the time. To be steady, to be stable. Have you ever met someone who has an explosive personality? And I don't mean that in a positive way. I mean, they are like a pressure cooker. I mean, they let things grow and grow and grow and grow. And you can, you can sense it coming when they're getting close. Remember those old pressure cookers? I remember my mom used to can, you know, and it was in that pressure cooker, man. And when that thing went off, it was like, whoa, man, the whole house came running, you know. We weren't used to it. So, and, and, I've, and I've seen people like that. that they let things build. They let things, and it's like, remember the S&H green stamps? I don't know if you guys remember those. You used to collect them, put them in a book, right? Every time you buy something down there at the S&H store, you'd get the green stamp, put it in your book, and then by the time you collect all of them, you turn your book in, and then you get the free toaster or whatever it was, right, that you could select. Well, some people, you don't get a toaster, but you get spewed on. And when you sense that coming, you want to be at a distance, don't you? Why? Because you don't want to catch the spew from... The pressure cooker. Let me tell you, God can help you lay that down. You don't have to be a pressure cooker anymore. Isn't that good news? Man, why? Because you can live a life of forgiving and releasing immediately. That's what causes the pressure cooker to begin to build. When people hang on to things, they're offended by something, they're angry over something, they're mad about something, they're unforgiving about something, and then, ah! Then they, I woke some of you up. Then they, the pressure cooker blows, right? But let me tell you, God can help you, and he's helping you right now to be, to have staying power, because this is one of, one of the Christian. One of the things I see that Christians have uh, a lack of is staying power. The ability to stick with it. The ability to get in faith and to stay in faith, not begin to shake on it. You know, and because we have too many people that are giving up too quickly. Let's listen to what Albert Einstein said. He said, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with the problem longer. He sticks with it. He doesn't let go of it. And that's why he becomes successful. So uh, James chapter 5, verse 11, 
We hear a lot about Job when it comes to patience. huh? I, th- I think Job was a very patient person because he had a lot to be patient about, didn't he? In James chapter 5, verse 11, it, it says, basically in the message, it says, you know about Job's staying power. In essence, you know about Job's patience, that he was a very patient man. And Job's ordeal took somewhere between, theologians estimate, between 9 and 12 months that he went through all this. So yeah, that is a long time to go through something. But many people talk about his issues, his challenges. Poor Job, poor Job. Few people talk about his end. What happened to Job? But in Job chapter 42, verse 10, you find out that Job, he got double back what he lost. Twice as much. Double the portion. Why did he get double? Well, there were two things that Job did that caused him to experience the double portion. One is he didn't blame God. You know, just because you go through trials and tribulations and challenges and issues, it doesn't mean that God brought that on you. It doesn't mean that he's trying to force you something on you just so you'll learn patience. I mean, all of us need to grow in patience, right? But God's not trying to force you to learn patience. He doesn't bring things on us, but he didn't blame God. The second thing that he did was he prayed for his friends. He forgave them. He released them. He let them go, right? Amen. See, success is a choice. And when you decide, hey, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not going to blame God. Think about Job in the situation that he's in. He never blamed God. Even though his friends, you know, did, said terrible things about him, he continued to put his faith and his trust in God. And God pulled him out of it. God blessed him with double. So my question to you this morning is, what's your end? Where are you headed? What's God got in store for you? You'll never know until you decide to stick with patience. And patience always works. This is how I know. Love never fails. And what is love? Love is patient. So if we're patient and we'll just stick with it. And because many of you in here I know are going through something. You've been standing in faith. You've been believing God. You're saying, man, uh, I have an expected end out there. But... Sometimes I lose steam. Remember Jesus, he said to Peter, he said, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith would remain firm. Sometimes that's my prayer for other people. I begin to pray for them. Lord, I pray that, that you can go ahead and come on up. I, I, I pray for them that their faith would remain firm. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes people get impatient. They want, they want it to happen. They want to reach their expected end, but they're wavering. They're beginning to waver. Why? Because whether it's the distance of time between the ask and the receive, or maybe it's the distance between the finish line and the end. Listen, this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Glory to God when it is a sprint. Sometimes I've, we've been believing God for something, and man, it just, it just shows up, and it's like, oh, glory to God. That was a sprint. You know, that was a 20-yard dash. I love that. I wish they were all like that. But... Some things are marathons. Life, for instance, is a marathon. But if you won't give up, if you'll remain consistent in faith, if you'll stay in patience, and you'll choose to walk in forgiveness, 
How do we stay in patience? We choose to walk in forgiveness. We choose to release people. You know, we don't want to be that pressure cooker, right? I believe God wants to, for, wants to release some people in here this morning from being pressure cookers. You've been forgiven of that, and you've been redeemed from the pressure cook ministry, <laughs> if there is such a thing. Yeah, there's not a ministry called pressure cooker. But, you know, God wants us to be steady, to stay, be stable. And oftentimes you have to work at it to put your faith in God, to continue to put your faith in God and to say, Lord, I'm with you. Lord, I'm standing in faith for this and I'm not going to get off of it. I don't see it happening in the natural right now, but I, I am not going to allow those things to move me. None of these things move me. Man, sometimes that's where you have to get to in your mind. You have to get to the place that you say, none of these things move me. I'm not moved by what I see. You say, well, Pastor Phil, you, last week was a little different than this week. Well, last week was a launch. This week is the real deal. You know, don't be moved by what you see in the church. I, I see every chair full. I look at them, I preach to the chairs, glory to God. I'm not moved by what I see because none of these things move me. Glory to God. My responsibility is to obey and to believe. That's your responsibility too, is to obey God and to believe His Word no matter what He says. Would you bow your heads with me all around the room? I want to pray for you this morning. Because our desire is that Jesus would be the center of everything that we do. Everything that you do. That Jesus would be the center of it. And we're here to help clarify, help you clarify the vision for your life this morning. I believe God wants to help you. And maybe, as I've been talking about this, maybe you've been one of those people that have been tempted to be that pressure cooker. Maybe you have been the pressure cooker in the, in, in the past, and you're saying, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm done being a pressure cooker. I am ready to be steady and to be patient, continual, and constant. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask all of us to pray together because I, I feel like there's, there's more than one in that boat in here this morning. But I want to pray all of us to pray. And let's agree together. Would you pray this prayer after me? Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have redeemed me from the curse of the law. That you have blessed me with forgiveness, with mercy and grace. And this morning, I commit to you to be a person that walks in patience, that practices patience. I will let it have its perfect work in me. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for being a pressure cooker. I release that now in Jesus' name. And I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Father. 